Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Yellow Ribbon Podcast, sponsored by Brellis Recruitment. I think we are now on episode six, Harley, and it's uh, it's been quite a, a baptism of fire, hasn't it, really, at, at the club since we started? Yeah, we've been flying through these podcasts, and uh, I think that everything that's been going on has really helped us. We've obviously had to tackle some uh, some difficult conversations um, but I think we've navigated our way through it pretty well. Yeah, we, we decided for this this episode to kind of just briefly touch on a couple of the bigger bigger stories and then basically just check in with, with our listeners and, and answer a few of your of your questions. And then we'll be then we'll be taking a little week off next week and then we'll be back with a bang, won't we, Harley? We will, we will. So keep your eyes peeled in there at the start of June for just a, a cheeky little announcement. And I think that's, we'll leave it there. We've been a bit bigging this up, but that's where we'll go. Now, the, the kind of the, the biggest thing in terms of news directly from the club was Matt Sadler meeting the, like the local media for the first time. Um, it's quite a good interview, I believe, primarily conducted by BBC WM, who we've always felt, and I think a lot of fans have always felt with, with WM, they aren't afraid to almost ask the questions. What what did you make of it? What what points did you sort of take from it? Um, I've just given it a listen, so I'm pretty fresh um, out of it. So um, I thought it was it was a decent listen. I thought he he speaks well. He looks like he's had media training. He looked he he tackled every single question. And didn't break a bead of sweat. Um, I do think he's a little bit. I think the only word to describe is really kind of he's quite chocolate, <laughs> but I don't necessarily mind that. Um, what do you what, I, do you what do you mean by that? He's just. Uh, it's hard to explain. Like he's just the way he comes across. He's just, just chocolate. Just, I can't explain it. That's just like the word that comes to mind. Do you mean like he's just smooth and? Yeah, like yeah. Or are you going to tell us that you have a deep hatred of chocolate? No, 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 no. Just like, just kind of smooth and just, yeah. Okay. In in not in a bad way, not yeah, not in a bad way. But anyway, getting going on more to the kind of meat and bones of it. Um, I liked what he was talking about with his transfer recruitment. I think he kind of he laid the plans bear a little bit in terms of how things are going to work, what roles people are taking, and what the kind of structure internally is going to be. And um, touching upon the analytics side of things, which I think I kind of spoke about in the last podcast, I think it was about kind of money ball in it. And they threw a question like that at him and he kind of said, yeah, but no, like he's going he's gonna to utilise the analytics, but he still wants to kind of keep the very much the no knob head policy that uh, I think we all appreciate. I think on, he did everything on that. Right sorry, that just, just to cut you off about that recruitment because this was one of the things that I 
that were kind of my two of my takeaways from it that I haven't seen as much written about by sort of on Walsall Twitter or or on Facebook or that was when he said about I, I'm I'm paraphrasing here because it it was a couple of days ago that I listened to it um, about almost talent alone isn't going to get you into this club yeah. and I thought. I quite liked that. Like I said, I'm paraphrasing that that comment, but yeah, that that kind of going back to having players that are both good, but also a character. I think, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on Adebayo and the kind of the Luton story, but using them as an example, they they don't have huge names. They don't have players that you go. Actually, they are. They are well-established Premier League players. They have a good team that know what their strengths and weaknesses are and they play to their strengths. And I think they also have a good team spirit. And it, it's that that I'm I'm hoping Sadler's trying to replicate. Sorry, you, you were saying about the rest of it. Yeah, so I was just kind of talking through um, like the kind of the transfer recruitment. And um, I've been a big advocate of the money ball kind of technique you know, it doesn't work for everyone, um, but I really like it as an approach because I think that it's it's intelligent and it's forward thinking, and it's a good philosophy for a club, a, particularly a smaller club that's well run to adopt. I mean, you look at like a Brentford or something, the way that they've been able to utilize it. So I think that we're going to try and mix that in with getting not just people who fit certain statistics and for certain positions, but also bringing in people who will add some unquantifying data, like character, personality, knowledge, experience, stuff like that. So I, I'm i starting to believe in him just a little bit more, um, but I still think that, yeah, the proof's going to be in the pudding. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get the whole money ball approach and I think it's it's worked with some clubs part of me is wary of it because I feel that the data from a player all depends on the system uh, and the, the way that almost they fit but if done correctly and you are playing and we'll get onto this later because someone's asked us a question about formation you have a system where you need, I'm going to say, I'm going to use, because I think probably one of the best examples is N'Golo Kante, that Leicester, he was playing sort of, you know, second division French football. And he obviously fit what, what Leicester wanted. My concern is that we don't have a clear system in place and that with the number of players that we need money balling it is a risk i think yeah. you know if you if we kept let's say if we kept if we got 14 a mixture of first and squad players that that could be you know a couple of youth that are going to be knocking on the door you know sort of six or seven absolute definite starters and then the rest sort of yeah squad players i'd be are much more comfortable with money balling it because you go, okay, we have a good core there. We have very specific gaps to fill. Whereas I think when we're having 
to do such a deep recruitment and such a broad recruitment. I, I, I hope that they don't, you know, just pinpoint one or two people and then it falls through. But then that's that's where we have to trust the recruitment process. And like you said, the recruitment team. Yeah, the one thing I would add to that is I think Sadler did speak a little bit on that. And um, he did talk about the, the core and how he's going to utilise the players that are already at the club. I think you mentioned Daniels, Evans, Hutchinson. Um, McKenzie as well. McKenzie, um, yeah. So I think that, yeah, we're going to need to recruit a lot of players, but also we can be a little bit more picky because I think he really believes that he's got a good core there. And I believe he's got a good core there as well. I think there's a lot of like work that needs to go on to make it a really strong squad. But I think he's at the basis where he can be a little bit more selective in his players. I think the worst thing we can do is get a load of people in and just throw players at him because he'll drown. Uh, I think that letting him be selective and that kind of almost that money ball approach, I personally think that that is the best way to go about it. What what, what do you think the, the kind of the difference is with the fact that he has got the head coach role rather than Flynn as a manager? Personally, it it obviously puts pressure then on the recruitment team, as in a larger team, and the, the team around him, because it implies that he's not going to be doing everything at the club. Yeah. I think I think that's good. And I think he's a he's a young manager very young in terms of kind of managerial careers. So I think the best thing to do is start him off gently, kind of get him focusing on the first team and and transfers and not putting him in charge of everything. Because again, I think it's a situation where if you throw too much at him, he's going to really struggle. So I think yeah. that letting other people do certain tasks that usually the manager would do, say a oh, Daryl Clark or a um, a Flynn would have would have done, letting the assistant or Matt Jordan or whoever else do that particular thing, and letting Matt focus on the really important things, you know, his team, his tactics, winning games is that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. And Obviously, like kind of going back to the recruitment side of things, we've got the huge, huge bonus of the promotion clause in Elijah Adebayo's contracts. Now, from what we can find and what we've seen, there's no figure that has been given other than Pomlet's comment about it would be the biggest deal for the club or in the club's history if he does go up. We're assuming there's a sell-on clause as well because I think there's yeah, I think, no, I think they no did say there's twenty five percent on him. I think that was implied, which, you know, his value will go up because he is now a Premier League player. Whether we're not saying that there's a, a transfer like kind of um, impending for Adbio, but that's going to 
really help the club, especially when we've got some of our bigger earners off the books. So we've got that almost a lot of the budget available anyway. And now we've had this boost that I think would be stupid for us to use in one season. But I do think over the next two, three seasons, it's going to be huge. Definitely. Um, We've literally, so about 10 minutes, 15 minutes ago, that game just finished. And the first thing, we've got this, we've got this deal in place. And like like you've just said, we don't know how much it is. We're going to guess it's probably... I'd, I'd, I'd probably the, say... The top seven. end of six figures. I, I'd probably assume it was even seven, low sevens. Yeah. But this is all yeah. speculation. This is all I would say it's, it's somewhere between... You'd, you'd probably imagine somewhere between 750k and like maybe 1.2 mil, somewhere in that kind of region. I'd expect that. If it's the biggest deal we've ever had, I'd expect it to be in that ballpark. And I think we've really got to use it. I agree with you that we have to spread it out because if we throw all that money straight away at players, yeah, especially with a young manager, would he get a little bit excited with that amount of money? Yeah, and uh, I don't mean that to kind of discredit Sadler, but I think that when you, if you gave an experienced coach that amount of money, you'd be very, very confident that he's going to bring in quality players. Whereas you don't know, with Sadler being so new to all this, where he'd be chucking that money on what, because he hasn't got a good, he hasn't got a track record yet. So I think giving him a portion but saving it and maybe letting him use more of it down the line if it works out with him, that's a sensible approach. Yeah, I completely get what you're saying. My my sort of hope is that they up the budget a bit this year to kind of get maybe where we were looking at what certain level of, of squad player that we can almost get one or two more first-team players or, or almost players that they want to be starting rather than adding squad players. What I think it's going to be the, the key thing is we obviously have a big turnaround of players this season, or we will have a big turnaround of players this season. In a, in a let's be optimistic, if we finish top half, top 10 next season, tweaking the squad to to maybe only needing four or five changes, that's when that budget's going to be key because we, I'm hoping, will have got a core squad together, more of a core than we have this year, obviously because we finished in a terrible position, but more of a squad together that then needs almost sprinkling a bit more quality. That's my my hope and that's why I think it needs to be used with a long-term vision in mind. Yeah, and I think that I think that there's the senior figures in the club, and if Pomlet's still around, I think that's what he'd be advocating for. I think uh, being cautious with that amount of money is a sensible move right now. 
and I don't I don't think we need to rush into doing anything. Just because we've got it doesn't necessarily mean it's burning a hole in our pocket. No. Right, we're going to move on swiftly with questions because we want to try and get through quite a few this week. So I'm going to kick off with uh, Lee Reynolds, who's asked, devil's advocate and worst case scenario, we lose the first five, six, seven games. What do you think happens in that situation? On the other hand, we win the first five, six, seven games. What happens then? Two very different scenarios. I, I'm going to kick off with the losing and... I don't think there's any point getting rid of Sadler that quickly. I think they, the, the the club have got to stick by him for a spell. I think obviously if we are you know staring relegation in the face, then yes, change. But if it's five, six, seven games, but you can see the team are gelling and the shoots of improvement. I mean, if it is, we're getting thrashed four, five nil every week. Completely different story. My bigger thing is if we win the first handful of games. If we are in the mix for the playoffs more than we were this season, that is when the Adebayo money is key because the teams that go up strengthen in January to, to almost get that running. And I think if it was to, if we were looking good, and we were looking that we were in the playoffs, especially in the playoff mix or even promotion mix, they have to forward plan for that January window. That's my yeah. that's my, my say on it. Yeah, um, I think that I agree with you. There's, there'll be no sense in sacking Sadler after five or six losses. As bad as it would be, as dark as it would be, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think that even... even I think it's unlikely that would happen because how often does that realistically happen? You know, you can have, you can have bad starts to the season. You do, you usually don't lose that many in a row, but I think even, even if we did, you'd stick it out for a good few more weeks because it's not like, it's not like we've brought in Steve Evans and he's lost five in a row. You know, someone who absolutely should never be doing that. Yeah, this is someone who needs time to develop. So I think you'd give him a bit more leeway and you give him more chance to fix it and to learn from his mistakes. And I think that you'd you'd give him another five, six, maybe even ten games to sort it out. And if he doesn't, then you consider your options. And if we're winning, happy days. Yeah, you just let him cook, let him let him do his thing. Yeah, let that chocolate keep on chocolating, eh? Exactly. <laughs> right. Moving on to uh, WFC vlogs. What games are we looking forward to for the upcoming season? I'll let you kick off. We go for two each. We go for two each. Okay. Um, I might be. I'll probably go for the boring answer here, but I would say away days probably Wrexham and Notts County. Okay. Would be mine. Although the only thing with Wrexham is, is that I believe in. The, Last season, they were only giving about eight hundred tickets uh, to away yeah. fans. Well, yeah, because they've obviously got they were to just selling so many. Yeah, they were just selling so many at home. So <laughs> it will be a great atmosphere, but it's gonna be hard to get tickets. Yeah, I think the um, obviously the fact that they've got only three stands that they can use doesn't help yeah. that situation. I'm gonna go 
I think the, the two for me are two that I just haven't been to. And it's quite convenient, actually. But Accrington, I think I, we barely really played them because of when we've crossed over in, in divisions with them. But, but yeah, haven't been to Accrington. Would quite like to tick that off. And same with Notts County. It was one of those that I just was never able to make it. So Yeah, I've never I've never been to Notts County either. And that's one of the ones I wanted to tick off. So it's the only reason I was sort of happy they came up. It's just because I want to take that ground off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Stu Russ has asked. Now this one has got us, got us thinking. Got us, got us. Uh, as everyone knows, our love of tactics out. What formation and style of play would you like to see from this new look morsel side? Right, Harley guessed mine straight away. So without sounding predictable, I'll let you you go first. Um, so I had a good think about this and I went for a 4-3-3. I mean, I think it's a very flexible formation. You can play it with an attacking midfielder. You can play it with a defensive midfielder. You can, you can have whatever you want in there. You can have two eights. You can have a 10, and 8, and a 6. You can have whatever you want in that midfield, which the first thing I think is huge because I love a balanced midfield. I like three midfield. I always think it works. And I think it it's a nice formation. And I think that it's a formation that's had a lot of success over the years because it just it's such a balanced formation. You know, you're four at the back. It's just sensible. You know, you can let your... Fullbacks bomb on if you want, but they're still they've got that defensive mindset as well. Yeah, you've got your centre mids who can drop in at fullback if they if the fullbacks are going forward, and then you've got the wingers pushed up nice and high, all playing into a striker. I I love a I love a four three three, so I, I'd love us to play that. Where do you fit Hutchinson in that? Well, what you do. Is sorry, let me ask you again where you fit in my boy Hutchinson in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's interesting because you can, like I said, there's so many different variations on a 4 3 3, but you could play it so you'd have the plays we have at the moment, you'd have calmly sitting in a six alongside Riley, and then advanced, you'd have Hutchinson that'd be your midfield three, a little kind of triangle, then you've got a balance there, but then you could drop up Hutchinson a little kind of defensiveness about it so you could put him in centre mid and you could have two centre mids and a DM you know there's different ways of um, moving it around which is what I like about it you know it doesn't necessarily commit you to anything which is the beauty of a 4-3-3 now I I see your 4-3-3 and I raise you a (laughs) (laughs) 4-2-3-1 I this is I think that a 4-2-3-1 it's just a Tories 4-3-3. Because it's effectively it's the same what? formation. It's no. just a Tories 4-2. It's just a four it's a Tories 4-3-3. Because it's the same formation. It's just Yeah, but if you're saying that you're gonna have Hutchinson playing as an advanced role, then you're playing a 4-2-3-1. Because no, it's a 4-3-3. No, because you play him in a 10 role where he's no, look, Harley. Because no, a four two a four two three one, you have two DMs. Yeah, so it's too defensive. No, 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 sorry. It's not... Def- no, sorry, I thought you were on about 4-3-3 there. 
No, but the four three three, you've got your holding mid, and then you've got look four two three one. For me, is more balanced because you have you have four attacking players. Now, my my with Stu saying about what almost like system, I think a four two three one allows you to press without sacrificing your defense. And I think I'd want Hutchinson in the ten, and I think Knowles playing on the wing would work, especially if you want a press. Obviously, we'd need to recruit, but it just would. It just it's smart. It's the smarter four three three. It's a it's tactically, not. It's this a is, tactically this is advanced four three three. People who've read Pep Guardiola's book or whoever's tactics book will be like, oh, all the four two three one. Like it's the same formation. It's just deeper. That's essentially all it is. It's just a deep. Yeah, so you're basically it's a defensive version. But it's worse. It might it's worse. I think it's worse because your starting position is deeper, which means it isolates your striker, which means it's harder to get up the pitch in transition. No, it you're... doesn't, because that's why you've got that's why you with those two centimeters, you have one that's more ball playing, one that's more of you like you comely. So You've got you've got options there. You can still make it a five at the back, or if you need to sit deep, you can make it a six. But then you've still got the attacking outlets that you don't have in a, as much in a four three three. So as soon as it's out wide, you've just got your striker in the middle. Because at least with a four two three one, you've got the ten that can bomb on from midfield. Yeah, but you can have a ten in a four three three. It doesn't have to be but a then it's three. Not a four three three. It is. It's a variation on a four three. If you've played FIFA. You will know that you can have different variations of a four-three-three. You can have a four-three-three right. fourth variant, which is with which is an AM. You have a four-three-three-three. I think it is. It should have a DM. You can have all sorts. I'm sorry, but I for me the the four. I, I'm going four-two-three-one. I we there's a let reason. Let's know. There's the a reason that Johan Cruyff didn't play a four-two-three-one. Okay. All right. Anyway, that what an argument. Uh, <laughs> I for me, I just I've always liked that formation. I think it's the it's gives you the best balance between attack and defense. In my humble opinion, but yes, let us know in the comments which you <laughs> which you would prefer, uh, and please obviously side with me. Um, Eddie Atkins, do you think Sadler will be given the same budget Flynn had? We kind of touched on this with the Adbio money, but I think I, I genuinely think the Adbio money changes it because there's just more money in the club. Plain and plain, like plain and simple. Yeah, I think the further we get away from COVID as well, the less we're hamstrung by that. So I think the more money would become available anyway. So I think that. I think it probably balances it a little bit more. I think there might be, I don't know how much he spent in the summer, but there was there was players bought in like Knowles, who we paid a fee for. So I think Sadler will have a little bit more. I wouldn't necessarily say he'll have a lot more. But I would I would expect him to have a competitive budget. Yeah. Um Rasta WFC, this made me laugh. Does Ben Boycott drink Carabao Energy because it's all we're advertising? I can actually say on that that Carabao have obviously a deal with all all clubs and 
if you know, like when clubs tweet with like the Carabao energy offers, it tends to be that it's across the board. But I just, that made me smile because everyone's waiting on news of like a new manager or a new assistant and it's get 20% off Carabao energy. Um, Adrian Haywood, where do you think, uh, where do you guys think we will finish next season? This is, hmm. I've spent the last few seasons. Oh, I see. Sorry, I've spent the last Next. few seasons saying seventh every season. So this year I'm yeah. going with 12th. I'm going with improvement, 11th, 12th. I'm going, I'm being realistic this year. That'll so change I feel like I kind of do the same thing, but I usually, I always go seventh to 10th. Um, I don't know. I don't know because I feel like we probably are just gonna finish mid table again. As boring as that sounds, I think we'll be doing a, a pre season prediction sort of pod. I think we might delay that until then. I think it's very difficult early doors, not really knowing yeah. the structure of the club. But if you were to ask me now, I'd say slap bang 12th. I'd probably say about 13. Oh, just just avoiding the top half. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll just avoid top half. So a couple of very similar questions here. So we've got Mark Regan who said, what would you consider a realistic settling in period for Travella and Sadler? And then Greg has asked, genuine question, not taking the mick, will Sadler make it to Christmas? Bill Walsall are on a Colchester type trajectory getting worse and worse each year. Yeah, what what do you think the settling in period is for for Sadler? I think the best thing is that the club has a quiet summer, um, and what I mean by that is um, just kind of no no dramas, no controversies, nothing massive upheaval going on at the club. Let's just kind of set let Sadler settle in. Let him start to do his thing. Don't put too much pressure on him. Let's not worry too much about results. You know, pre-season, whatever happens in pre-season happens. Let's just kind of keep the faith and let him start to build what he needs to build for us to be successful. I think that set, I think we all just need to give the club and Sadler time. That's him and that's the only thing we can give them, really, is just to not get on their backs if things start badly. You know, obviously, if we're months down the line and nothing's improving, then absolutely go for it. But, you know, right now and coming into the start of the season, blank slate, you know, we just need to get, get, behind, get behind them. Yeah, I think... I mean, in terms of, I think, settling in and time that it'll have are two different things. I think yeah. settling in period implies that he'll be given a free hit for a spell. And I, I don't think he will. I think the settling in period was, will be seen as the end of last season where yeah. he had the first few games kind of can start to figure a couple of things out. I, I genuinely think that's the settling in period. I think 
the the importance of the coaching staff around him is is I've said it on on the, the last uh, the last pod and when we I think when we did the the sort of the candidates pod the, it's so important that the right people are brought in around him to almost yeah. not have that that settling in period I completely get the question I completely get the point on the question I just feel that settling in period implies free hit time and I think that was really the end of last season when we weren't going down nothing else could change so that's that was the sort of the couple of games that he had were the yeah the chance to settle in I think once he's got a coach and staff in he kind of has to hit the ground running in terms of I think if the question is more about time that will be given I do think he will be given a large part of the season unless it's going terribly wrong. That That's just my opinion. Um, but I'd, I'd like to quickly move on to um, Stuart B's question because I feel it's kind of linked. Granted, they purchased the freehold, but what have Trevella got in the locker football-wise to make us fans believe we have ambition for promotion? Will season tickets be down on last season? And I feel the Trevella, what have Trevella got in the locker kind of ties into Sadler in respect of Trevella must be confident in their footballing ability and footballing knowledge that they can give a new manager a chance and that they they feel that they he is the best person for the job because they clearly believe rightly or wrongly may I add that they have the staff and the team around or will have the staff and team around him to make him successful I I'm going to kind of bring something up I'm not sure I've really seen too many people talk about but I think this is a massive season for Matt Jordan to flex his muscles and to really bring something to the club and start to press a philosophy and a vision into the club going next few years and I think that needs to be club wide and I think that's what they're planning on doing but I think he's kind of the secret weapon and we've been waiting for Travella to unleash him because he's done some great work in the MLS. He's worked with some top managers. He worked with Je- he had Jesse Marsh under him at one point. You know, he's had good names there and he's done a lot of good stuff. So I think that in terms of what they've got in their locker, I absolutely believe it's Matt Jordan. I I half agree. Ooh. And the bit that makes me disagree is or maybe not even disagree, but it just is a, is a concern is that yes, Matt Jordan's got a good track record or at least has had moments in his career of, of showing what he can do. But how realistic for a League Two club is it to have that person working in the States like for globe for for you know Premier League football and you know top end Championship and obviously I'm I'm assuming like league owned teams Bundesliga La Liga Serie A all of that it wouldn't surprise me if they're 
sort of, you know, their technical directors, even though he's not got that title because it's technically through Traveller, not Walsall. It wouldn't, it doesn't, I feel that they can be wherever in the world because the top, top players are accessible from all over the world. But does it, is he, are we hampered by the fact that he's in the States or should we just, are you just going to tell me, don't worry? It's a good point. I think that, I think they said that there'll be more presence at the club. So I think he'll have more time spent at the club. Maybe not as much as you'd like, but still he's going to be there more often. And I think what it'll be, it'll, it's about him bringing in the right people to impart his vision. He doesn't necessarily have to be there to do it. He just has to get the right people in the right places to do it for him. Yeah, He's kind of the... The way it works in my head is he's kind of the orchestrator. Is that a word? Yeah, orchestrator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The orchestrator of like, what's going to go. I thought on. you'd frozen for a minute then. You sort of paused halfway through. <laughs> no, I just, I said the word. I was like, have I made this up? No, but it's a real word. We've confirmed that. And I, in my mind, it's him kind of pulling the strings and saying, I'm going to hire you to do X and you to do Y. This is how we're going to do it. If you've got any problems, like we'll have a meeting. If I need to come and fly out and be in Warsaw to sort this problem out, we'll sort some. Well, I'll get there and I'll sort it. But he doesn't. He doesn't have to be there day to day. I think he just has to be available enough to solve any problems and put out any fires from wherever he is and have the right people to help him do that. I. I mean, obviously, I hope you're right because that is what we want as a as a fan base is someone that can do that. Yeah. The question about season tickets, I've kind of seen bits of this, not as much recently, but at the time, especially when Flynn went. From what we understand, the 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 decision for Flynn wasn't based on anything to do with season tickets. From from what we from what we can gather and what we've we are are led to believe, season ticket sales are season ticket sales. Sorry, are comparable to previous seasons, but considering the fact that there is a cost of living crisis, so from like I said, from what we understand, the the club aren't concerned with season ticket sales. However. You'll only know when we start seeing attendances next season. And if there aren't as many season tickets, but people are buying individual match tickets, that actually makes more money for the club, obviously, because we know. So I think that's a, a TBC. But what we were led to believe around the time of Flynn departing was that that season ticket sales weren't as affected as maybe we thought they might be which is obviously good for the finances of the club. Um, just thought we'd, we'd pass that little little bit that we've got. Yeah. Um, final question, George Hunt. Is the club a ticking time bomb to go off? Now, this kind of links to a previous question about uh, linking us to the likes of Colchester, who had slowly started to decline. I don't... 
this is going to sound incredibly harsh about the club, but it it feels like the for me the right way of looking at it. Clubs like Southend, clubs like Scunthorpe, clubs like Rochdale, with their financial and ownership issues, even when they were in League Two, were ticking time bombs. Scunthorpe had been, in particular, had been overspending for many years without success. And their decline and their financial issues in the National League, which has seen them be relegated again, is not a is is not a surprise if if you kind of knew a bit about the club and you know the, the sort of the real bad management. Walsall are just incredibly stagnant. It's not a time bomb for me. It's just stale and stagnant, and that is the biggest challenge Sadler has: is to inject some life into that. I think I don't think it's a ticking time on either, and I do agree the club stand. I I do also see the signs that maybe things progression isn't happening the way we want it to, but it does feel like the club is fighting to try and progress. It doesn't feel like we're banging our heads off a wall and just letting things. Go to pot. There does seem to be some sort of fight there to try and turn things around. Yeah, yeah. I kind of when the when boycott comes out with his statements, I do believe that he genuinely means that he wants to move up the leagues. Pomla, I believed him as well, and I think eventually our luck will turn. You know, life's full of swings and roundabouts. And we're on a downward trajectory, but at some point we're going to have to hit a point where we'll bounce up again. I don't think we'll go down to the National League. And I think we're so close to that bounce. It just it, it just feels quite dark. It's, it's like that saying, the night is always darkest before the sun rises. Yeah, we're at a very you, low you wanted point. To, you wanted to avoid Batman quote in there, weren't you? <laughs> the night's always darkest right before the dawn. Yeah. Great yeah. Batman quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's that kind of, we feel very in the dark. We feel like things are very negative, but we could be right on the precipice of a turnaround. Do you think, I, don't, I don't know this, but do you think, that's kind of how I feel. I almost felt going into January and with everything to do with like Leicester and given that we were, you know, we were in the fighting chance of of really disrupting the playoffs and getting getting like a, a kind of bit of a fight on for it. Yeah. Do you think if would have kind of been around sort of 14th, 15th, 16th all season that it wouldn't have felt as bad as the way that the season panned. Because I, I genuinely, I did feel that we got that bounce under Flynn, especially at the start of the year when things were looking, things were looking optimistic. There's no, there's no way around it. We were looking good. We'd had a good couple of months. We'd sort of put that early season poor run to bed. And 
you know, we started playing some some decent football and winning some good matches. Do you do you think and that yeah, do you think that, that that's almost made everyone more frustrated by the situation given that you we were we were, were so close to that bounce? Definitely. I think that when we went into the season, we started it well, we won our first couple of games. We were top of the league for the first couple of weeks. And then we had that kind of tough spell. And once we came out of that tough spell, we, we were flying. You know, we were having this great FA Cup run. We were, we went toe-to-toe with Leicester, you know, a Premier League side with a lot of good players in there. I mean, Harvey Barnes, Madison, they were all on that pitch. And to a man, we were as good as they were. And we had we had objectively a good January when you look at the time we thought that was a good January, and it turned out yeah. not to be. That that should have been the turning point, and I think that it because it wasn't. I think we all saw where it was going. We all saw our trajectory was going going up, and we're flying up, and it came crashing back down. I think that's why everyone was so upset with Flynn. Because we were so close. Because we were, as a team, probably one of the top two, three teams in the division. In terms of, on our day, we were as good as anyone. And that run showed it. But because we were so close, when we ended up finishing mid-table, it just seemed like it was a complete failure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I just think... The club is, yeah, stale and stagnant is my is my two. Just because it feels like the same thing we go through every season, every yeah. summer. Um, and that is a cheerful way to end this pod. <laughs> like like we said earlier, we have we have a big, big, big announcement coming early June, and I'm. I'm gonna say it, one that I think everyone who listens to this pod will will enjoy and will be very happy with. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you as ever. We we are gonna take a a week off, I believe. We're both away and both will be will be a little bit busy elsewhere, won't we, Harley? We're gonna take some time to rest and relax and just put all sorts of the back of our minds. I think we can quite confidently say that we won't be resting or relaxing. We're just going away for a few days each. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Very true. <laughs> but we're Metaphorically. Gonna try and put yeah, we're going to try and put Warsaw to the back of our minds for at least a week. And uh, we'll be back stronger with something that everyone's going to enjoy. And if you do enjoy it, Leave a good review, share it, tell your mum, your dad, everyone. Yeah, and what, what Harley said. Thank you all for listening, mm-hmm. and we will see you soon. See you later.